using words in a godly sense. Next on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Join us. reminded of the old commercial, people judge you by the words you use. And indeed, we are judged by words, and God will do the same. Welcome to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. We're back in Ephesians today, a message called, May Your Speech Build Up. And indeed, this is the Apostle Paul's prayer and hope for us as believers in Christ that our speech would be such that it encourages others, builds others up. With a look at today's broadcast, here's Pastor Phil Howard. Join us. Let me just read to you Proverbs 12. You don't have to turn there. You, you might wear your Bible out. Just, uh, but it's in Proverbs 12. And get this little phrase here. Um, Listen to this. Oh, it's why I love being a preacher and a Christian because I've got something that I've seen heal people. Talk about healing. You do funerals. You go to the home when a kid has just been killed on a Saturday night. What do you say? You got a word? People make appointments down here at our offices because they're many times need wisdom on an issue. They need counsel, but sometimes their heart is broken. Maybe a home in trouble, a kid in trouble, whatever. And I've just seen this work over and over. Proverbs 12, 25. An anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. I got the Bible for it. Do you have any kind words for the anxious hearted? You know, there's times when uh, my heart has weighted down with anxiety. There's favorite people I pick when I'm anxious because I'm waiting for a scripture, a good word, wisdom. I don't look up the cranks. I look up those who are characteristically uplifting in their speech. Because a word for me, I forget if it was Walt Whitman who said that they can go a month on a compliment. Was it Whitman or? Ah, oh, it sounds good. Uh, one of those guys said it. See, a word does me a lot of good. Some of you are not verbal. Words don't mean much. They just, yeah, let's just get the work done. Let's get over the fluff. Let's get to the work. Well, good for you. You're abnormal, according to the Bible. A heavy heart can be lifted up with not more work, but with a right kind of a word. I wish all your mouths were full of the words that can bring relief to a fearful, anxious culture that is going broke on Maylocks, Rolaids, Vicodin, Valium. We're a culture taking everything to sleep, everything to soothe our nerves, drinking enough booze to kill a horse. Why? 
I need something to soothe a troubled heart. What about a good word? Many a man sitting on a bar stool wished his dad loved him and would have thought he was a success, but he never got a good word from him, so he drinks with the old crowd and hangs out and goes down there and watches cheers every night and says, I wish I had somebody that put good words in me. I see children grow up. I mean, I am amazed at how many people never put a good word in a child. It's just like they're to hit on, bang on, now, one boy said he's 12 years old before he found out his name was not shut up. 12 years old. That's science fiction, but anyway, you get it. An anxious heart. Well, uh, builds people up. He says in Ephesians, your words are to minister. Uh, let's see, what does it say here? Do, uh, Building others up according to their needs. Now, just like giving, you ought to have a job and work because one of your motives in working in life is to help people in need. And when you share words, one of the motives for your speech is, I want to help people in need. And then he goes on that it may benefit those who listen. And the word benefit there is that it may give grace. It's the word grace to the hearer. So we want speech that's beneficial. Two, speech that builds up. Three, it ministers grace to the heart. Do any of you know what grace is? I'm not talking about theology. You don't even know that probably. What is grace? Grace is unmerited favor to the undeserving. When I get grace from God, he says, I was a sinner, I was a rebel, I was without strength, I uh, hated God, according to Romans 5, 9. I mean, I was, uh, I was blowing it. I, I was guilty as charged. And then all of a sudden, I'm waiting for a word from God. Go ahead, God, what do you want to say? And it went this way. First of all, you know you're guilty. Yes, I do. You know you don't want my son, and in my case, you're right. I like my sin more than your son. You've got it. Uh, you know the ultimate penalty is hell. I know that too. And then all of a sudden I hear this. By the way, did you know I've got some good news for you? Oh, you're kidding. No, 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 I, I've got some good news for you. What, what? I'm, I'm a rebel. I'm a sinner. What's the good news? Uh, I've, I've had my son killed for you. Oh, you got to be kidding. That is preposterous to even say it, but what do you mean? No, I've, I've given up my only begotten son for you. Well, why? Well, I, I was going to have to penalize you for all of this rebellion in you, so I just found a way to charge him with your sin and then I'm free to let you go to heaven because he's willing to pick up all the filthy, rotten, dirty things you've ever done. You're, are you kidding me, God? No, no, I've sent out uh, messengers for over 1,900 years that have been martyred, killed. Uh, they've survived a shipwreck. They've lived on hardly nothing just to tell the nations, I've got good news for those who hate me. What is it? I am willing to let hell-deserving sinners go to heaven if they'll accept my love gift. 
my only begotten son. Is that good news? That's good news. That's grace. That's grace. God says to us, now that I've saved you, be gracious in the way you talk to people. Just like I spoke a message of grace to you. I gave you good news when you deserve nothing but guilt, condemnation, and hell. Now, if you reject that good news, you will see that. But I sent good news to you. The greatest news in all the world. It's the greatest message in all the world, is it not? Grace, minister grace to the hearer. Well, he goes on. I give you some other words for positive speech. He tells them in chapter four, we ought to be giving thanksgiving. And if you'll fill your heart and your mouth with thanksgiving, it keeps you from being a complainer and chewing on other people. Thank God for what he, what he is and what he's done in your own life. Turn the mouth into a thanksgiving instrument. Uh, 519, he's going to tell them they ought to be singing scripture. Uh, I have low tolerations for Christians that don't sing because it never said anything about they know how to sing. It didn't say you have to know how to sing. It just said sing. And, and, and if you don't know how to sing, we don't want you on the worship team. Don't be all hurt about it. When you sing up here, we do want you to carry the melody line. But you're supposed to sing anyway. And uh, I see people in church all the time, they never sing. They're unscriptural. Because in 519, it's a result of spirit filling. And it's what you do in a corporate setting. One of the corporate ways God's people relate to one another is they sing scriptures to one another. They psalm it. They're psalming. You know the 150 psalms? Sing me a psalm. Some of you say you want scriptural music, learn the Psalms and, and give me a little melody line with it. I like to hear it. And those who are the most critical of music oftentimes do the least amount of music. They don't sing, they don't play, they're just critical. Get over it. Repent. And get your mouth engaged in singing. He didn't tell the preacher to do all the singing and he didn't tell the people on the platform. He said the corporate response of God's people is we are to be singing psalms, spiritual melodies and making melody in our heart. That means when you're driving to work, turn off the radio, turn off the CD. Those guys can't sing all your songs. God wants to hear you sing a song. Amen. You, we're buying all this stuff by folks that can hit notes you'll never hit. Not even in a glorified body, you probably won't hit it. <laughs> but it didn't talk about that. I have sung more outstanding songs that have never been recorded. They're just between me and the Lord. And I just hope nobody's around. I sing them in my car and, and just, just sing. Do you ever just sing to the Lord from uh, making a melody in your Have you ever made up a melody in your heart? You think I'm making this stuff up? Look at this Ephesians 5. 519, speak to one another with psalms. That doesn't mean I go up to Luanna and says, hi, the Lord is my shepherd, Luanna. I shall not want. When I see you, I see the rod and staff, but I'm not fearing the shadow of evil. No, it doesn't mean that. No, it, but it, it's kind of a group dynamic. We're psalming. We're, we're telling scripture to one. I'm up here supposed to be telling you scripture and, and you get the show free. You're supposed to be hearing scripture. We don't just meet in here and say, oh, 
he just likes to be in front of people. No, I'm in front of people with a book. And we're supposed to sing to one another. I ought to be able to just look over there and say, bless your heart. You, you sound lousy, but I'm glad you're singing. I know you don't know how to sing. You keep losing your voice. My sister Hazel used to always put everything in E flat. Now I know why. Uh, can't get those. No. E flat. Honey, have you ever heard of any other kid? I like E flat. That's where my voice is. Okay. And any of you, some of you, anything you sing is going to be flat, but God will accept it. You still can't get on the worship team. But you can be on God's worship team. You're the worship team right out here. Huh? There's nothing like a singing church. I hate to be sung to. I won't go to church. They just sing to me. I don't go to hear Gregorian chants. I got to go where it's simple enough I can join. I'm going to sing it. Because I've been commanded, and it's a corporate text. Singing to you. There's positive, because it ministers grace. We sing out thanksgiving. I want to tell God how wonderful he is. And if I just put some little three-chord melody to it, it's kind of nice. And he accepts it as much as Bach. If it's from my heart. Well, a little worked up there. Singing to one another, encouragement. Now let me ask you some questions. A heart filled with bad thoughts will speak bad words. What condition is your heart in? Always take care of your heart before you go out in public because your mouth is going to betray you. And he told us to guard our heart for out of it are the springs or the issues of life, Proverbs 4. So is your speech usually negative and critical? And if it is, it's telling you you're running a spiritual temperature. You've got to deal with your heart. You've got to have an attitude adjustment within. Uh, it's between you and the Lord or, or whatever. But negative speech is not without accountability. Why do you speak negatively? And uh, I've had to um, personally just rebuke people when they talk to me. He says, no, no, I, I don't hear any God in that language. And I don't, in the church. Well, where's God in this thing? How much of your speech is aimed at building up the hearer? Point two, the application. Uh, do you ever aim at that? Or do you hear people say, well, I want to give them a piece of my mind that I cannot easily afford to give away. <laughs> I, I keep all the mind you've got. IQ is still running dangerously low. Keep it all. Don't be giving me pieces of your mind. Give me a right kind of a word. Even if you're angry, you say, I'm angry. How are you doing, pastor? Oh, good. Good to see you. What are you angry about? I don't know. Well, take me to dinner. That'll help you get over it. <laughs> now, we're not saying we have the, you know, we've already dealt with anger. But we train our mouth that it's not hurling arsenic arrows at people. It's not just free to run. Uh, do your children know that you love them? And I say this often when I do men's conferences, 50% of them do not know their dad loves them. 
It's, it's the most common. I've had more than that, but the least amount, any men's confidence, if it's all men, if I ask that question, do you know your dad loves you? 50% will say no. I say, why not? He never said so if he does. Where do we get that? What's wrong with the human race? That we can't tell our loved ones we love them. What's weak about that? Uh, no, we're just frozen at the heart. It's a hard heart. It's a wrong, some paradigm has been learned that's wrong. Uh, I hope those that you love know that you love them and you've got a mouth and a heart to get it to them. You make it your business to get the message out in terms they'll understand. Uh, does your mate ever hear words of appreciation? It's amazing in marriage how uh, criticisms replace uh, appreciation. That we're always telling them, you didn't do this just right, you didn't do that just right. And pretty soon a marriage, the life is sucked out of it just because it never gets watered anymore. The old line, the grass is greener where you water. And we oftentimes look at each couples in marriage and just get, getting married, they've aged five years because uh, it's now the expectations list. And uh, I've had those times where, uh, have you ever heard these words? I just don't feel I can meet up to your expectations. I never do anything right. It's never good enough for you. Guess what? The mouth is being used to convey a negative message. You're never good enough. We had a woman in this church whose husband would come home and he would run his hand on top of the refrigerator to see if there was any dust. Then he would check his finger. You didn't dust today, did you? Well, after 20 years of that, she divorced him. She said, I can never measure up. I married a inspector. I didn't marry a lover. And she left him. They should have never got a divorce. They're both believers. But she couldn't survive the intense criticism and the lack of appreciation. And she was a beautiful looking woman, I felt. She had a, a, a beauty about her, very talented, gifted musician. But you'd think she couldn't do anything because the one she married and the one she loved could never tell her she did anything right. Uh, do you focus on the negatives more than the positive? That's called nagging. For the men, it's griping. We know nagging is the women. Griping is the men. So it's just a male term. What are some Thanksgiving themes you thank God for with your mouth? If you don't know where to begin on Thanksgiving, what about salvation, family, health? My, my wife just lost another aunt Friday. We just did her uncle's funeral. Now we bury her aunt this Tuesday. My son-in-law's father just died. I just buried a close preacher friend. I mean, uh, do you thank God for health? This aunt of Carolyn's, we went to see her in the Antioch Hospital, was down to 65 pounds, 65 pounds, and had a hematoma on her back, so large they could not surgically remove it. It looked like it held a quart of blood. And to see this woman that by the time they took the uh, 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 breathing apparatus and everything, she died. Uh, 
Do you ever thank God for health? I'm more appreciative. When I was 30, I did a conference for a bunch of businessmen in Vail, Colorado. It was kind of one of those missionary projects. And, uh, and uh, went there and these guys were all out of Denver and everything. And I'm sitting around, I'm 30, 35. And we're drinking coffee in the morning and these guys, they said, they're just talking, they were all gray heads. They said, man, it takes me about 20 minutes every morning before I can really get out of bed. And I thought, man, I just fall out every morning. What's their problem? And they got to going through the routines. I got to stretch. I got to do this. I thought, these poor guys, what's their problem? Now I'm wanting to know what exercises they do. <laughs> huh? Thank God for what health you've got. Don't take it for granted. There's a list. I just want to close by saying that uh, I keep looking for ways to put Jesus in an ethical message. And there's two things I want to say. Is Jesus was the only one that came to give you life and not take your life. John 10, he said, I came to give you life and that more abundantly. And Jesus was said to be in John chapter one, the logos, the word from heaven. It was the most loaded Greek word because it was not harema, but it was logos. The logical explanation of God was Jesus. And when John describes it there in that great prologue of the book, he says, and when he came, when God showed up in a body and we could hear him talk, he did not bring the law like Moses, but he came full of truth and grace. God's word among us was truth and grace. And I believe he's the model of what our mouths and hearts are to be full of. Truth and grace. That we want the truth of God and we even want to share the truth in as gracious a way as we can. But let me tell you, dear saints of God, those all around you are starving to hear a word of grace that they can have hope in their situation. They need the gospel. They need someone just to say a kind word. And I just say to you, all of us, let us not use what days we have left to use our mouth to be garbage trucks for the devil's message or for the negative aspects of the heart. Let's make it an instrument of healing, of anxiety removal. And when I talk with people, I think I learned it mostly from my father. My goal, my goal as a whole, my life bent from going to church, and I learned it from him. I go to church, hear me, I come down here to edify you, whether I'm preaching or not. If you just talk to me, and some of you think I'm fat, dumb, and don't know reality, I do, but I got so many good things to tell you about in Jesus. I'm not coming down here to talk about my problems. When I talk to you, I try to tell God my problems the most. It's a way of life. I don't complain about God on Sundays. I try, when I'm with his people, they need a good word.
If you don't, you're abnormal, we'll pray for you. You're unlike the rest of the people he addressed in Scripture. For for every person that dies from being too proud, there's another group that dies because they don't think anyone cares. And so we want to be people who minister unmerited kindness to those who need it. Pastor Phil Howard here in our series, God's Design for Life. Getting a clue, an understanding, an idea of just how much God really loves us and the design that he has for your life and mine. This is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard, and as we conclude our time together today, we're mindful of the fact that there might be those of you who would enjoy hearing this program again. As always, we have copies available on CD. Simply call or write to us or stop by our website. You can reach us by phone at 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. Or stop by our website, truthfortodayradio.org. As you contact us, please bear in mind that we do continue this radio broadcast here on this station through the generous support of Truth For Today sustainers, folks just like you. With your dollars, as you partner with us financially, we'll provide to you, as our way of saying thanks, a quarterly newsletter, a once-a-year special gift. Take a break with Pastor Phil, the weekly video devotional. It's all available for you as you partner with us financially. For more information, give us a call. Our phone number, once again, is 855 833 9864. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.